What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode, the inaugural episode of The Donkey and the Rhino. I am one of your hosts, Lee Falcon, and with me is our co-host, Mr. Devin. Devin, how you doing, dude? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I mean, I'm doing a lot better this week with that Kamala Harris pick, you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot better because you see another worthy, qualified person who might be in the White House someday? Is it, is it because of that? Listen, your chances of winning just plummeted. I'm going to go with negative 300%. But, you I mean, we so? can get... Really? No, I mean, I don't know. I don't. We're getting carried away. Mm-hmm. For starters, let's introduce ourselves. To everyone listening, thanks for listening to the first episode we've ever done in our lives none of us have ever done a podcast before um we're winging it as we go as they say so we expect a lot of cringe in this episode but we'd like to introduce ourselves to start (laughs) off so who are the donkin and rhino devin who are you yeah my name is devin and uh cringe worthy moments are not new to me so i'm well suited for this first podcast yes Uh, yeah so yeah so it's uh so this is my element right now (laughs) uh yeah so yeah, my name's Devin. I'm an analyst living in the Northern Virginia area. I'm originally from Kentucky in a decidedly purple district. Mm. So uh, in recent history, my t- hometown has alternated between Republican and Democratic representatives, depending on which party is in power and who they've pissed off. That's right. Um, yeah. So just the general is I'm a young African-American millennial from the South navigating these uh, trouble, uh, troubling times, confusing times. When you say uh, um, African American, do you mean like, are you like white from Johannesburg or like? <laughs> <laughs> Would they even say that? Would they? Would they be like Afrikaans? Um, no, <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Uh, no, I mean like, I am a black person from the United States, Kentucky, Lee, America. Kentucky's Kentucky's not a district in Johannesburg, sir. It's not, not anymore. <laughs> we, we succeeded. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, and uh, yeah, and there's not not really uh, too much to say. Uh, you know, my hobbies these days are ducking COVID nineteen. Amen to that. Um, you know, uh, my typical hobbies have kind of dissipated these days in this new post COVID nineteen world. Uh, so no bars, no happy hours, no movie theaters, no traveling. But uh, currently, it is watching NBA basketball and being woke. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Listening to music, reading, all that, uh, all that nice uh, introvert stuff. Listen, you're never gonna find a complaint about introversion here, man. Like caves. I'm not gonna go into all the <laughs> bad that's happened in the world in 2020 because I think we all have a highlight reel playing consistently in our heads with it. But mm-hmm. 2020 has been a nice year for introverts in general, outside of the yes. sickness and the worry and the national crises that seem to pop up with new fresh starts every single day. But you know, I think there's been a lot of time for introspection for some of us, at least those of us more inward dwelling. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I can't say that I like the means that we use to get to this place, <laughs> but I do like the ends <laughs> where I can be indoors and stay to myself and not be thought of as a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like I need to cut the nails on my right hand. Would I prefer we use a nail clipper instead of a chainsaw? Probably. But, you know, I'm grateful that it's gone. But- yeah, the nail's gone. And all, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, another question, like, that is who you are as a person, your upbringing, that is the culture, that is the world you, Devin, come from, but what do you believe? What 
what are the core ideas that drive you? Like, why would you be interested in doing, you know, a social commentary or political podcast over something like ballet or crochet? Mm. Well, I, I mean, my interest in politics started when I was really young, actually. Uh, so, you know, it goes all the way back to 1996, actually. So as we all know, in 1996, Bill Clinton was running for re-election against Bob Dole. And my mom had rather strong opinions on the race right. because she loved Bill Clinton. Of course, so she, she Oh, everybody did. Yeah, that's why he won by uh, 60 million votes. Uh, yeah. Now, he didn't, he didn't win by 60 yet, but he won. He won handedly. In our hearts. Uh, in our hearts. Yes, in our hearts. That was a landslide. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, and I remember she would say all the time, if Dole gets in office, we'll all be living in trees. What? She would what? say that. So, yes, she said that. And I will say this. Or a nine-year-old boy, that is some scary shit to hear. That's from your deep, mother. bro. That's deep. I There's a lot like, of ways you can interpret. I don't want to live in a tree. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't want to. I took it literally. I don't want to live in a tree. Yeah. Um, you ever been in a tree so house? A, and it was cool for like an hour, but I don't want to like live there. <laughs> I don't want to sleep there. Um, and, and like, who you voted for depended on your stance on tree houses. If you were That's pro right. tree house, you were dull. Uh, but I was not. So the things that yeah, matter. So as, yeah, the fundamental issues. Um, so as a result, I was following every news story that I saw about the race. And on election night, I was on pins and needles, hoping that Bob Dole would lose and that I wouldn't end up in a tree. Right. So, so oddly enough, ever since then, I followed politics. Wow. So, so what I'll say is I think what that story suggests, well, it's a few things. Um, the main one is, as a boy, I could not understand when my mom was using hyperbole. Right. That's the first thing. But uh, the the other thing is that it may also show that my worldview is largely shaped by my experience experiences growing up with my family. Right, um, I right. grew up in a I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, it was just my mom and my brothers living together in a small house in Kentucky. Um, my mom worked at extremely hard jobs that she often hated and right. she did it for the sake of making ends meet and uh, keeping a roof over our head. Uh, and there were times when she had two jobs and there were periods when she would work like 13 or 14 days in a row without a day off. And yes, that means no weekends off. Wow. Um, yeah, we were not rich by any stretch. And in fact, uh, some people might say we were poor. <laughs> right. Some people. So some people, you know, the, um, you know, the woke folks, uh, <laughs> but uh, primarily the woke folks. Uh, uh, <laughs> Repu Repu Republicans would be like, well, it's better than being in Venezuela. It's like, you don't got and boots. I'll be like, Pull yourself up by the bootstraps anyway. It's like, uh, and I'm like, we can't afford them. But um, yeah, but, but when you see that growing up uh, and you see how hard someone works and how much they sacrifice just to make ends meet, you think a lot about equity. Um, and why is it that someone who fills two support, supposedly important roles in society, on one hand, the hardworking, self-sufficient worker grinding away to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, um, and then on the other hand, a homemaker raising, you know, hopefully productive members of society. How is it that a person that 
fills these two roles simultaneously? How can they still not have the stability uh, that she deserves and needs Absolutely. in this economy and in the society? So, uh, and over time, you also wonder how is it the others who are in your boat or in a worse boat? How is it that they also have, uh, you know, how is it that they can also obtain security and stability in our society? And that's, always sort of the jumping point for me. So how do we create a society that affords everyone a basic level of respect, dignity, and security? Right, right. So, you know, uh, all that Bernie shit. <laughs> the three <laughs> Bernie bros left over like, yeah. yes, to he sum can it still up. win. <laughs> Yo, man, it could be a broken convention, I'm telling you. That's right. Dude. There's always a chance. Like maybe the chance, the probability of Bernie taking November is, let's go with point oh 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 nine percent. But that is a possibility. It's not zero. It's not zero. It never will be. No, and you know, I mean, I feel like there's a better chance of uh, me dying in a plane crash. So I feel. <laughs> so they some sort of odd hope, I think. Well, speaking of odd, um, I don't know. Outside of, I mean, that seems like the quintessential kind of lower to middle class American upbringing, right? It's the mm -hmm. idea that the parents are hardworking, dedicated people. They're in this country because they have, you know, the perceived opportunity to do well for themselves and for their families, to provide for the next generation. And sometimes the system that we live in, which I think most people would agree has given the most amount of economic opportunity, flaws included, to the largest mm -hmm. amount of people that we know of in the modern world, you know, it's a scary principle to think that even that system could still have such huge flaws where it could pretty much leave half the population or more feeling like they are disenfranchised at one point or another. Yes, it is scary, but I think maybe where I'm a bit, you know, maybe a bit more cynical than you, uh, but oddly maybe hopeful as well. Right. is that I don't think that a lot of things that happen in our economy happen by accident. Right, right. And I think gains that are reaped from society oftentimes goes to the folks that have the most influence and can shape the policies that are pushed in Washington. Um, so, you know, if you want me to, uh, to go full raging donkey, I would say ever since your boy Reagan got in office. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not game, a Reagan Republican the, is what you're telling me. The game's been messed up. Um, no, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, that is safe to say. No, I'm not a Reagan Republican, Democrat. Um, well, um, I kind of am. So, really? you know, okay. I mean, so I'll give a little bit about myself, too, for new listeners, people who don't know me in particular. Um, I was raised in the Bronx. Born and raised in the Bronx. I've been here for 33 years. Uh, my dad, too, was extremely hardworking. Uh, he had any number of jobs when we were kids, you know, from taxiing to therapeutic rec recreation jobs. Like, it, it was the full gamut of whatever he could get his hands on to provide for his family. And um, we would have been considered, at the time, low income to low middle class. Like, we knew what poverty was. Like, I remember mm. being with my brother, Jay, who, you know, sweetheart that he is i mean we'll be looking on the corners of the streets sometimes for a few pennies so we can get the pennies together and buy a bubble loo in the store for five cents like oh wow you know i would go to school and see my friends bring huge delicious lunches they'd have the works man they got lunchables they'd have them little uh <laughs> what are those little kool-aid ice twist things that you twist the top off of oh man yeah. um 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The no, good did stuff. They have, did they have Dunkaroos? They had Dunkaroos. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. tasted it one time and I was like, this is privilege. Like, this is wealth. Like, this is why we're here. But, you know, um, I guess for us, if you would look at us in passing, you would think, well, these just look like, or this guy just looks like a typical, quote unquote, white American. But we're, you know, American, of course, white racial group, but we're Hispanic. We come from a place where we know what it is not to have much. And so when I was growing up, one of the things that we were very, very familiar with was not having the things we wanted, but being content with what we had. And mm. that, I think, probably wasn't the driving factor in what I believe today, but it helped inform it. Because for me, I would say the most important value that I was raised with that probably informs all the decisions I make today is my faith. Like, mm. I am 104% Christian. I am all the way Bible-believing, Bible-thumping, Jesus-freak. Like, that is the core principle that I've used for virtually all of my life, except for a small period when I was about 21, 22-ish when I became an atheist. It was a small stint, but it existed. Every and Everybody has it, bro. Everybody. Everyone has it. And I think the atheist <laughs> has a small stint from 21 to 22 when he becomes a theist for a second. He's like, you know what? Maybe there is a plan. Mm -hmm. And then he switches yeah. right back. And uh, like, for me, those those principles, like the ideas of truth and justice and defending the underprivileged and thinking about how best to protect American families, international families, you know, the values that I think made this country just kind of the beacon of hope that I've seen it to be throughout history, throughout my studies, while accepting its flaws, like those values are kind of rooted in my Christian faith and in my belief in the Bible. Like, to me, truth is not some valueless idea that should be tossed amongst the waves of whatever subjective value society lands on at that moment. Mm -hmm. Truth is permanent and it is objective. And while people may shift their interpretations of it at different times, and the human experience is often gray, there are, in my opinion, very clear black and white principles that govern the way people generally decide to behave, the way they generally mm -hmm. decide to treat each other, and the way we view our responsibility to each other. So, you know, for me, lining up with the GOP, it might seem like a no-brainer to most conservative believers, but I think Mike Pence said it best at one point. He said he was a Christian <laughs> a conservative and a Republican in that order. And to me, the debate about truth seems meaningless unless there is some objective superseding reason why truth actually does matter. And for me, I find that God is the ultimate idea, the ultimate pursuit for at least my faith and my political principles. Mm. Well, let me ask you. So you probably have a thousand things you could, you could tell me. But what are a few of the principles that you think are what are those objective truths that you you were alluding to? Well, I think for for starters, it it's not going to seem like we're tying it to politics immediately, so feel free to slice it up as you please. But um, for me, the start of it is that the universe appears to be fine-tuned for life. It appears to be fine-tuned for moral agents, for deciding living creatures to live in, to host families in, to make moral decisions in. And because of that, I mean, you could go anywhere from the smallest electron rotation to quantum mechanics to the laws of thermodynamics or, you know, gravitational mm. forces. And the universe seems to be doing a delicate balancing act on all of these physical laws to allow us to be here in the condition we're in. So mm. I think to me that that matters because, you know, whether or not you agree that the guy coming down the street with the doo -doo 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 is Mr. Softy or not, everybody in the neighborhood knows that's ice cream. And, mm -hmm. you know, you have, what, seven, eight billion human beings now today on the planet. 
you've probably had billions upon billions that have existed before that point, and they are almost in universal agreement for the most part that something purposeful seems to be orchestrating the events of this reality. And that's a very macro view of what's going on, but as far as a political you know, philosophy is concerned, it seems apparent to me like some of the objective morals that people have, regardless of culture and time, are, you know, murder, for example, being an immoral thing. Most cultures frown upon that type of thing. There are very mm -hmm. few reasons when someone's allowed to take the life of someone else in a premeditated way that are socially acceptable. Um, truth is an objective moral quality. The idea that whether anyone is listening to a tree falling down in the forest, the tree did or did not fall down. You know, the stapler mm -hmm. remains designed for that function of putting papers together, regardless of what 2020 society or 1800 society dictates the function of that thing is. And a whole host of other, I guess, universal values that are pretty objectively true. But I think out of all the competing faiths I've seen, the Bible is just, it has a monopoly in my world on the application of human nature, how humans behave, what humans do, what motivates humans, what brings out mm. the best in people, what brings out the worst in people. And to me, when I'm pursuing politics, I try my best. I'm interested in politics because to me, politics is an expression of, you know, humanity's attempt to find something moral to use to govern themselves. And I can't ask what is moral until I understand whether or not morality is even important. And to me, Morality that is subjective, morality that flips with the water, that it's just a flavor of the week type of deal, seems to be a pretty pointless exercise in truth. And if the truth is valuable, then the truth must exist. I just choked on some spit. That is true. Uh, that, I survived, that, that, though. And that's objective. <laughs> that's I, would never, objective. I would never, I would never, I would never, I would never argue. You can't interpret it, it happened. Give that. <laughs> So, yeah, like, I mean, maybe we didn't have the exact same upbringing or the same values in a <laughs> religious sense, but we both know I almost choked to death right there. And uh, I think I think yeah, that's it doesn't important. matter where you're standing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's like if you if you almost choked to death on your spit, nobody's there to hear it. Did it happen? Did it happen? Was I going? <laughs> <laughs> Three Man. listeners can attest that that did actually happen. But yeah, I mean, again, like, I think. When I first met you, uh, we won't go into the specifics of how it happened. He was just, you know, the dashing gentleman across the room, and I was flushed, and I was just like, oh, my God. But when we actually <laughs> did first meet, I think one of the first traits I saw about you that I liked was, I don't think this guy is a real big religious dude, but he really seems well-intended with his pursuit of truth. He really seems to want to know what drives the world to work the way it works and what things he can do or what things he can promote doing that will make the world in a better state than it was previously. Like to me, that interested me and you besides your dashing good looks, of course. It's like, Hey, once again, objective truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I want to know nobody would argue it. Um, <laughs> um, well, I appreciate your very, very, very kind words and too kind in some ways, I would say a little um, bit too much, but no, <laughs> <laughs> You're dripping with kindness, sir. Mop it up. Um, no, uh, I, I appreciate that. You know, I would say, uh, I think many of the same things you said there, I would say, uh, is one of the things that I've appreciated about getting to know you over the years is that there's a real, I, I, I think there is a good-natured 
a good-natured desire to dissect ideas and to mix it up with somebody in a debate uh, or an exchange of ideas and do it in a way that is ultimately respectful and do it in a way in which you're being candid, you're being honest, and you're you're willing to listen to the ideas that the other person is giving. Um, Thank you, sir. You know, yeah, very, well, I will nice. Well, and, and, let, and let me say this, too. I think that you are very skilled in many ways. And one of the ways that you were skilled is getting people to engage hmm. in a discussion of ideas. And, you know, to, to put it in layman's term, you can troll. <laughs> you can troll. You are really good at trolling. You'll uh, you'll post something that's uh, kind of ridiculous. Slightly, <laughs> ever so slightly. Just one little clown nose on the face. Honka, honka. That's yeah. it. Not it, two. It, you know, and, and an emoji can flip something quick. Can escalate a situation. <laughs> uh, like it really can. Get that. Um, but you're willing to. You, you like to lure people in with maybe controversial ideas or maybe on the surface inflammatory arguments. And in our current lexicon, we would say that's getting someone triggered. Yes, yes. I know one or two people who may become something in that state every now and then. You know, maybe a little comment here, a little meme there. They just can't take it. The idea that someone else would disagree with them. The idea that there are opposing ideas in the world. The idea that those ideas should be tolerated. Like, I think I think that's kind of a foreign thing nowadays sometimes. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie. There are times my blood pressure probably goes up a little bit. But, <laughs> a little bit. The thing, but the thing, though, that I found I appreciate about having these sorts of discussions with you when you do engage it never devolves into a situation where you know you're typing in all caps and you're calling somebody an asshole or right. this right. that and the other it's it's always a dissection of ideas and arguments and there's always a rational discussion that 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 eventually that eventually uh develops right, and right. I really appreciate that because I think one, oftentimes people get kind of squeamish about talking about politics. One, absolutely, absolutely. Which I mean, on the one hand, I get it. On the other hand, I'm like, how the hell do you not want to talk about what's going on in your country right now? Right. This is how literally the- everything that governs what you do as a human being. Like, you know, yeah. to us, we're just geeking out. Like, oh my god, who's going to lead 33 percent in the polls come November? But you know. I get it, too, in a way. I get it, too, because, you know, people have their concerns and their responsibilities. But it's like, but those concerns and responsibilities are governed by these by the people who are going to govern you. Yeah. Well, you know, and I could and I could better accept that from folks who maybe are always kind of laissez faire, who are always sort of type B, always conflict diverse, always. But everybody gets pissed off over something, something. There's something that grinds your gears and gets you up, gets you willing to yell at somebody. And I guess I wonder why doesn't important political issues or important social issues, why doesn't that galvanize you at least to some extent? Right. right. Um, and so one, I appreciate that you are somebody who, who you know, some about politics and social issues. Um. So I appreciate that. And then I also appreciate that we can really 
I feel that when we do have a discussion, we really are exploring ideas together and kind of taking apart one another's arguments. And even if we don't come away in agreement, at the end of the day, I think we both come away with a better idea of where we stand on an issue. That's right, dude. I mean, like, it's so cliche to say over and over, like, this is extra valuable in 2020. But, like, I there's there's some reason to that idea. Like, I... My timeline as it stands, and, you know, I talk with a healthy amount of people, is so polarizing. Like, there are clearly going to be places where you are not going to compromise and I'm not going to compromise. Like, we mm-hmm. are we are entrenched with these things that we think are true because we've been alive a couple decades now. We've seen some of the things that we used to think were true fall apart. Santa Claus, you know, like, <laughs> or things that we used to enjoy the flavor of that we don't anymore. You know, Halloween acorns. But, like, there are those ideas that are probably not going to leave our essential person at this time but like i i love the fact that with you and with a few select people i know but especially you i love the fact that like may the best idea survive like if you really believe what you believe and this is a concrete foundation mm-hmm. for your worldview for the way you apply yourself to engaging other people for the jobs you choose for the people you choose to be in relationships with then this should be able to survive kind of the marketplace of ideas and to me, I like the fact that we share the idea that if it's a good idea, it will survive. You know, like I can think of 4,000 different scientific theories that have come over the last several centuries, but I can't think of many today that can challenge the idea the idea of universal gravitation, you know, or the gravitational constant. Like an apple is nine times out of 10 going to fall from a tree anytime you pluck it and drop it. Like because that idea is so sound and so valid there aren't many ideas that can challenge it in the marketplace. And there aren't even a lot of ideas that people will give much credence to or even listen to challenging Mm -hmm. it. So, you know, for me to watch certain ideas I've had as a child die as I get older, is it's not a sad thing. It's kind of a beautiful thing because with each bad idea that dies, a new good idea replaces it or a, a more refined, better idea. And, you know, to both of the people we are, I think, the core items really have been refined by kind of this trial by fire of exploring ideas with other people, especially in times like this one. Like you said, so many people are kind of afraid to express themselves for, I guess, fear of getting canceled or just don't think other people are concerned enough about their personal views to want to share it with people or, you know, just fear any type of social blowback. Like it's so important to have formats like this and spaces like this where people are free to express themselves mm-hmm. and free to state what they believe. And if, if it's an awful idea, then we tear down the idea, but we don't tear down the person. Yeah. And, you know, and oftentimes that's God, right? Right. I think there's really an unhappy that someone can still want the best for their country, the best for their society. And they want to get to the best society possible. Right. Uh, that's not to say there aren't, you know, for lack of a better term, bad actors. <laughs> right, right, right. That's not, not That's not to say that maybe in, in some situations people's interests can be conflicted. However, I, I do believe, though, that oftentimes I think, I think most people in this country want a, want a society that, that they feel is most fair. Right. And they want, uh, they want the best version of America. And I think maybe sometimes our, uh, sometimes our ideas about how to get there can be different. Right. But that doesn't mean that everybody's, 
purpose and having a different idea than uh, than you is is diabolical, right. right? It doesn't mean that they're evil. That doesn't mean they want to harm other people, uh, and it doesn't mean they're not even necessarily to will. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not willing to listen to your ideas on things, um, and 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 possibly learn from you. Right. And I think sometimes the only way you really, I think, understand where people stand on things, get a sense of what their worldview is or what's important to them or what is that best version of America they want to see. You get there by, I think, one, listening and then two, being willing to have a good natured, honest discussion. And I think sometimes maybe we get so angry or we kind of tune out people who have a different idea right from the get go. Absolutely. When maybe when maybe if 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 both sides are willing to kind of come together and kind of honestly share where they're coming from and be receptive to what the other person is saying, then maybe we get we get somewhere. We get somewhere uh, to at least a healthier discord. All right. Right. I mean, I you know, when I grew up, I grew up in a Fox News household like um, mm-hmm. we had Hannity and Combs on. We had. Bill O'Reilly, we'll do it live. We had (laughs) the whole pantheon of conservative talking hosts on Mm. Fox News. And, you know, there were a couple of different shows like Bill O'Reilly and whatever at the time, you know, I was a teenager. I mean, I was super much more conservative than than I am today. But I really gravitated towards Hannity and Combs because to me, Mm. you know, they... The channel did what the channel's going to do. They put Sean Hanny up there. He's this, at the time, young, kind of good-looking guy, charismatic, likable, always smiling. And Alan Combs, at the time, you know, may rest in peace because he was an amazing, amazing, mm. amazing host. But relative to Sean Hanny, he was yeah. kind of gaunt-looking, a little skinnier, older, like, you know. Uh, Hanny was the big show. Yeah, yeah. Hanny had the swagoo. And, but <laughs> I was so surprised every time they put that show on, every time we watched it in my house because – you know, nine times out of 10, I think I agreed with Sean Hannity. And I would say today, seven times out of 10. But I was always <laughs> surprised by the depth of how much Combs cared, Combs research into topics, and points of view I had never, ever, ever heard before on like standard conservative talk radio. Like, it was just such an amazing place to really see just how true some of the things you really believe are. And, you know, I'm pretty sure... The outlet did their best at times to kind of stifle that because, you know, CNN's got their core who they're going to be preaching to at all times. And they got to make sure that their fan base is pleased. And Fox News has got the same thing. But I, to me, that really stuck out as, wow, like people who are confident in what they believe and people who have true conviction are not afraid to put themselves out there and are not afraid to listen to the mm-hmm. other side. It's usually, in my experience, more, I hate to say it, but... You know, there are some deeper political insecurities that usually run in the people I've encountered that are quickly, you know, just want to silence you or don't talk about that or, oh, you're pro-life, you're a monster. You know, like there's a deeper philosophical insecurity there where they don't want to engage in that conversation. I won't say because they know they're wrong because obviously everyone thinks they're Mm -hmm. right in their own mind. But, you know, it's a comfortable place Mm -hmm. to be at when you know what you believe and why you believe it. And... Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I like about the idea of doing a podcast like the donkey and the rhino is I always want to be sitting across from someone else who I know has the best intentions for themselves in the world. And that's, that's a rare, that's a rare treasure nowadays. Like it's not necessarily that people don't want the best for the world or the best for themselves and their families in the country, 
but it's hard to decipher if they're able to get past their emotional investment in some of the views they were raised and whether or not they're mm-hmm. willing to exchange in a dialogue that's going to make them better at that, you know? So hats off to you, sir, because yeah. you are you are a national treasure. <laughs> Another objective truth. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and I, I will say, I think one of the benefits for me growing up in Kentucky, right, in that purple district, is that you meet people who have different political views and different ideologies than you, right? Right. Uh, to, you know, to an extent, you know, at least they're Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives and that living together in that same district. But really more importantly, you build relationships with people. And many of these people will have different ideas than you. So, you know, coming up, I would have, I would make close friends with, you know, kids in my classroom and, you know, we, you know, I go to like birthday parties or play recess or play basketball together. And, you know, these people were my friends and, you know, or, you'd know, neighbors or people who go to your church or, you know, people you run into on the day to day who you'd speak to. You'd see that these people are, you know, they're human beings and they're right. decent human beings, right? And they treat you with respect and they want what's best for you in some cases. They're willing to help you. Uh, you know, and then you build, in some cases, you build relationships with friends who you grow to love. And you do this oftentimes despite the fact that they might vote for a different political party than you. Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, and, and, and for me, you know, kind of, you know, probably uh, ruining the surprise for everyone uh, who's listening. I am not a supporter of Donald Trump. Ah! So, so, surprise. Um, I'm not. So. <laughs> and like many people, like me people, you know, I was I was disheartened, I think, by a lot of the, the rhetoric that he engaged in. And I think uh, uh, the divisiveness and, you know, I, I was and am still deeply bothered that there are people who listen to this. And in some cases, we're willing to ignore it. And in other cases, you know, possibly vote for him because of it. The horror. But How could they? The horror. <laughs> but the issue. <laughs> uh, I, I would say so. But I, what I don't forget, though, from my days growing up in, in Kentucky is that people are complicated. Right. People can't be boiled down to a soundbite. They can't be boiled down to one vote or one position. And you can't discount people just because they do something that you might strongly disagree with. Absolutely. And there are some cases, once again, where you might have to. I'm not trying to. I'm not yeah, trying those to. Those exist uh, for sure, right? Like we have yeah. a few untouchables on each of our lists that we're like, you're not in a place that I want to be. You know, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, you got that you got a little too far. Yeah. Oh yeah, for, yeah. But you know, out, outside of those instances, I will say that you really can't boil down somebody, uh, boil down someone's character purely to one vote or to one issue. Right. And you have to understand that oftentimes, as your perspectives are shaped by your own unique experiences, that's going to be true for the other person. And you, you, you can't toss away somebody just 
just on the basis that they might not vote the same way as you. And I'll be honest, that's something these days, especially that I have to constantly remind myself of. I'm not going to lie. Full show. But that doesn't make it any less true. And um, yeah, man, like, you know, zero to a hundred. I, I feel like we have had like parallel chakra vibrations, man, because uh, when I was raised in the Bronx, newsflash, not majority white anymore. So, you know, I was raised as a normal kid. I mean, I had mostly normal upbringing, but I was in schools in areas where, you know, the majority of people did not look like me. The majority of people had mm. darker skin than I had. I mean, which is pretty easy because I'm pretty white. But it was made easier by the fact that everybody else was pretty not white. And, you know, mm. I know what it's like to be surrounded by people who say, oh, my God, you're pro-life? Like, wow, that's <laughs> disgusting. And I'm looking at them like, you kill babies, dude. <laughs> but when you're raised with enough of these people and you see, like, them deciding whether or not a child is a living human being, which it is, obviously. Or holding the opposite of <laughs> you is only one part of their character. Like people are multifaceted beings, right? There's any number of issues, any number of things that they can or can't believe. And for me, very often the intention of the person, the heart behind the person, like what they wanted for the world was much more important because all other things are debatable. Everything else is debatable. But if your heart is in the right place and you're pursuing the truth, I genuinely believe that the truth will find you. And, you know... There were a couple of times that I did not have the best experiences as a youth in the Bronx because I looked different, mm. because I was the other in high school, because I was white boy. You know, there was a couple of times when I was removed from the culture. I want to listen to Linkin Park. Everybody else at the time was mm. listening to Jay-Z. But there was also, there was also, I mean, at the time, those types of experiences are sometimes comfortable, sometimes very uncomfortable. But looking back on it, you know... It reminds me of a scene from Game of Thrones, and if any of you are familiar with Game of Thrones, I don't know if you've seen it. You've seen it, Devin? Or? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, okay. You remember when uh, Jon Snow was fighting at the wall uh, while he was mm -hmm. training all the new recruits of Night's Watch, and uh, Jon Snow mm -hmm. was pretty much kicking all their booties, because, mm -hmm. you know, Jon Snow in that story was the son of nobility. He was well-trained by nobility. He was always pretty much raised as a semi-prince of sorts. And he's bragging like, ha ha, like you fools can't even swing a sword. And Tyrion kind of checks him. And he's like, dude, you're like a prince. Like, don't think yeah. that the place you're at right now is something that they're just too stupid to be at. Like, don't think you're so high and mighty above them. And, you know, I'm thankful to God that I'm definitely not a perfect dude, but I'm, I'm so happy to be, to have been surrounded by people for most of my life, who felt differently about the world than I felt. Because, man, we are going to argue for 10 hours about this topic, but I don't see you as any less of a person when we do that. You know, like, yeah. I've had so many good people who have crossed paths with me and have held completely different beliefs that by the end of the discussion, I just looked at them like, we could not be further apart in any, you know, ideological battleground. But, man, you're a good dude. And yeah, that is, it's such a beautiful thing to know that even if one guy supports the Iraq war and the other guy doesn't support the Iraq war, like their intention, the intention of both of them is to see peace at some point. The intention of both of them mm -hmm. is to, to strive for that bigger, more important ideal, mm -hmm. even if it gets a little bit messy when you're discussing how to get to that point. So, mm -hmm. um, well, let me say, well, you say, and, and really to hammer home this point. So you listen to Lincoln park, your friends listen to Jay Z 
at a certain point, a collision course album gets made. Jay-Z, That's right. Lincoln Park. Did you guys, I know, see, now I know you definitely listened to that joint back Oh, then. yeah, it was hot garbage. I hated every single track on there. <laughs> <laughs> you tackled half, half of it with your people. Tolerance half sucks. Was, half of that was your, half of that was Lincoln Park. <laughs> I know. I You know, because there's some great tracks that I grew up with, like, you know, numb. I've become so numb. And then, whoa, whoa, I've become so, I'm like, what's going on here? Like you're butchering my childhood here, Jay-Z. Like I'm going to find you, you know, maybe I didn't have an appreciation for it at the time. Now I like what they tried to do. Do I hate it? Let's go with yes. <laughs> so what you're saying is all that stuff you said about coming together and finding nah. nah, man, put on the Lies. gloves. Let's go. I'll meet you downtown. <laughs> um what can a listener expect from you devin uh if we continue doing this which our initial idea is to do several episodes worth uh anywhere from the three to five range this is basically a test run to see whether or not we really enjoy this type of thing whether or not you guys enjoy this type of conversation and we get enough views where we can sell out and buy yachts and you never hear from us again or i'm i'm I'm, I'm here for the paper everyone (laughs) So <laughs> Mercenary. Not, not for this. Good, the good nature debate is all nice, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to retire at 35. It's like, uh, what was his name? Fast and Furious 2 was a Tyrese. He said, we hungry, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> you better get to making these podcasts. And economy. <laughs> Forget love yeah. and truth. Monetize people. That's, that's all that matters in this world. Just monetize all the way. No, no. Joe Rogan's eaten. And I want, <laughs> I want some of the plate. <laughs> So, dude, that boy is eating. He's eating <laughs> deep, bro. He's got the lobster. He's got the oh, caviar. Yeah. I mean, no, he's yeah. got it. No, he's probably eating all types of shit that we probably don't even know exist. But it's that Lucas. It's like, <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So, what what do you think? Um, how do I summarize this? If you could summarize in just one sentence, what something like this you think you could offer to a listener? What what you could offer to a listener? Mm-hmm through something like this, what would that be? Um, well, I'm, you know, maybe what I'm offering is simple, but I'm hoping that I can offer honest, uh, well-informed uh, uh, discussions on issues that are important to me and provide my perspective and do it in a reasonable way. Uh, I can't say that I won't get heated or I get triggered maybe for a little bit. Lee knows that I can kind of... A little bit. Uh, you know, I'll take... I'll take my shots a little bit, but, but at the end of the day, I don't, I trust that I won't walk away from a recording upset. Uh, I won't walk away hatingly. Uh, and I won't mind if you, the listener dissect my ideas and think that they're trash. Right. right. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely willing to express myself and I'm willing to, uh, to allow my ideas to be scrutinized. And then on the other side, I'm definitely willing to listen. I always enjoy hearing uh, opposing viewpoints. I always uh, enjoy hearing your opposing viewpoints, Lee, because I think you always make, always bring an interesting perspective, even if I don't like it. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking to have a good time. So same, you same, know, same. So, so you yeah. know, hopefully a good discussion or, or a contribution to a good discussion is what I bring. Same. And I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I hope what I could bring to you guys who are tuning in this time and probably will hang for us for a little while for the ride is I hope you'll know that I'm coming from an honest place. I'm not a perfect dude. We don't have all the answers. You know, we can make our best estimations for how the world works, what matters. 
but this is constantly a process of refinement we're we're always pursuing the truth and that's just that's perpetual right like some ideas may be solidified in our minds as being true the world is certain ways but if those ideas are right you know i promise that i'll always be bringing an attitude that wants to test and make sure and investigate and if something's wrong you're gonna have to strangle me a little to get it out of me but eventually i'm gonna yield like <laughs> feel like free I'm to correct me you know it. Little choking. A little choking. Nothing too weird. You know, just enough to remind me that I need the oxygen. But, you know, I'm always up for correction. Sometimes I handle it better than other times. But I, I can give you, the listener, whoever is checking us out, you know, the promise that whatever happens here, no matter what ideas we dis- discuss, that is our goal to get to the truth. We're going to troll. You're going to get a little upset with some of the things <laughs> I say at times, as you probably know by this point. Just a little bit. But... You know, behind that, he, 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 look, their party lost on this day. There's a dude who, in the recesses of his mind, is thinking like, wow, that that is a meaningful thing that deserves to be talked about. Or that is a meaningful idea that people should think about for themselves and for their world. So that that's what the donkey and rhino means to me. Um, but transition, now that you all know what all these things mean to us, let's get to the final lap of the first episode. And just, Devin, who would you vote for in mm-hmm. 2016? who's going to win in 2020? I voted for... <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drag it out for other people. Uh, <laughs> for all the people. Uh, no. As you could probably guess, I voted for Hillary Clinton. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. I like that. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Double yeah. door dies. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah no yeah I, I voted for hillary clinton in 2016 okay. um yeah and look who did you vote for in 2016 drum roll i don't know if you hear me drumming on some, drumming on my laptop but get, get the image i'm drumming on my laptop yeah. that was a little traumatic for me because uh, at one point, we were supposed to talk about a silly thing about us, and I forgot totally about that. But the silly thing was, <laughs> I was afraid of Chucky till about the age of thirteen. So, like Chucky from Charles <laughs> played the doll. So when you did that little, you know, tapping motion, it sounded like his feet oh. were behind me, and I was getting the burner ready. You know, we was getting ready to get the work in, because uh, you know, thirty-three-year-old Lee is a much better opponent for a little three-foot midget demonic doll than he was at thirteen. Yeah. But I was afraid of Chucky Especially- till thirteen. Okay, especially when you have a gun, apparently. <laughs> when you, when you, I don't. When you, yeah, when, when you've got the Yopra, <laughs> it's easier to defend yourself. Right, I, I, I have pet names for weapons I cannot legally own in New York City, which is sad, because I am probably one of the biggest Second Amendment proponents on the planet. Defend your rights to the death. We don't want to be Hong Kong. But if Chucky shows up right now, and I was wrong, that he is indeed a fictional character, like... I'm out of luck here. Like, this man's going to stab me up, turn me into Swiss cheese. I got nothing. I, mean, I got no pew pew. He's also like three feet. Like, you could easily kick the shit out of him. Like, bro, dude, in <laughs> man, the movies, <laughs> dude, that guy, he's got the strength of a grown man. He flips people and stuff in the movies. Like, he's small, man, but he's packing heat. Like, uh, all right, you know, tonight's going to be a rough I, night I, I, I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
like one of those deals where you hear like a creaking sound. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm going to be scared, but my feet will be under the blankets. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't you don't want to get off and take off running, you know, You're kind of frozen with fear. And the two, you want to keep your manhood. But, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I've never terrified of Chucky only because I remember watching, I think, the first child's playing going like, like six-year-old me going like, this is stupid. <laughs> I would. <laughs> he's, he's he's smaller than me. <laughs> you are the one it's who like, knocks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like Jason is a you know a big thing wearing a hockey mask, and then Michael right. Meyer and stab Texas Chainsaw Massacre murder. No, uh, Chucky, Chucky not, nah, not. small fries. No. I wasn't afraid of Freddy Krueger because to me. The idea that you could go to sleep and die in your dreams was pretty freaky, but he was always cracking jokes. Like, he cuts off your head, and he's like, heads up! It's like, I can't take you seriously, dude. Like, you're either going to kill me, or you're going to make me laugh, but it can't be both, you know? So, I never really <laughs> right. got that scared of Freddy. But Jason, that that's a big dude. It's a big dude. That was a big boy. I remember there was one, uh, there was one, uh, one of the movies, there was, uh, like he had cornered some guy that he was going to kill, you know. Right, right. Surprise. And the dude decides that he's going to give Jason the hands. So he start. do you know what I'm talking about? Research. Oh, I know about them the hands. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we all know about them hands, but I'm talking about Jason. Damn hands. <laughs> oh, he starts swinging on Jason and punching him in the face and, you know, the guy, you know, gets extremely exhausted punching Jason, and Jason obviously doesn't feel it. And then he says to Jason, all right, give me your best shot. And then Jason smacks his head off of his body. Dude, I love and that scene. The camera just cuts <laughs> to the bottom of the building, and you just see his head flying off. Like, that's grade A cinema right there. <laughs> it's like Jason got hands. Um <laughs> And I still remember, like, and you know, and I still remember. There are few movie scenes that I can remember from my childhood. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I think we're that Jason. <laughs> oh, we're doing a horror <laughs> off. Like, which one of us was your bigger punk? Yeah, well, I think I'm gonna win here. So, if you're looking for fun facts about our fear, <laughs> well, that Jason scene does remind me of a certain event in history. Like, you know, someone's just fighting someone else. like, come on, give me your best shot. And they get exhausted. And then around, I don't know, October, maybe Comey drops a press conference and then suddenly they lose <laughs> the election. But yes, in 2016, I did not vote for anyone. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Okay. I did okay. not vote for Donald Trump. Uh, okay. Why didn't I vote for Hillary Clinton? Mostly because she is uh, the devil. No, let me stop. Uh, she, I, you know, in hindsight, I don't think... Hillary Clinton's the most evil person on the planet, but I just could not get behind. <laughs> I, I figured this out today. <laughs> Kim, Kim Jong-un exists, Lee. <laughs> He's like, you ever heard of someone named Hitler? <laughs> but to me, I mean, like pro-choice, I'm pro-life all the way, you know, uh, second mm -hmm. amendment infringements. I'm not for that. Like, you know, bigger government. Let's not talk about the trillion dollar deficit we're running at the moment. But I'm generally a small government conservative. I don't like those ideas mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. uh, Hillary Clinton, contrary to popular belief or contrary to mainstream, uh, I would say, democratic belief, was kind of a war hawk. So, I mean, oh, if, absolutely, yeah. if you were a Bolton-esque figure and you wanted to get your yearly quota of wars going, Hillary was probably the way to go. But aside from <laughs> that, like her values, I just did not line up with the way I saw the world. They did not line up as true. Mm -hmm. But more importantly than that, I think the stigma of 
a political dynasty like the Clintons that a lot of mm. conservatives I know could just could not get behind in a trustworthy way. Like it's kind mm. of a mirror image of the way I think modern liberals kind of talk about Donald Trump. Like, you know, they'll say he's a kind of gross man. He's a bully or he deals in shady passages behind closed doors. And for Hillary Clinton, I wouldn't say she publicly appeared as a bully, but there was something about her that mm. just did not seem trustworthy to me. And I think to most voters, because I know in 2016, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were voted, I think it was a Pew Research poll that did this, but they were voted as the two most unpopular presidential candidates in American mm. history. So, yeah. you know, people wanted to choose Hillary because they didn't want Trump to win. And people chose Trump because they didn't want Hillary to win. But at the time, I don't know if they had many diehard fans across the board. I remember Republicans, you know, dragging Donald Trump under the bus for all of primary season for the most part because they had no idea mm -hmm. he was actually going to win it. So mm -hmm. for me, Hillary was just untrustworthy. And the air of secrecy that was around her combined with the fact that we just didn't see eye to eye on almost any political issue, that was, that was a no-go for me. But for Trump, there were a lot of things, and there still are a lot of things I really do like about Trump. Like I... We've been saying this for years in both parties, but the media has been so held to the fire in the last couple of years, not just because of the Trump <laughs> nomination, but because of like the expansion of YouTube and independent broadcasters mm. and journalists that don't need to be on a major outlet in order to cover the news that I, I think I really love the fact that he would challenge the media narrative in a way that was just... I had not seen in a presidential candidate before that time, like to hear them mischaracterize George Bush or even to mischaracterize, you know, President Barack Obama at the time, like this was kind of the, the status quo for anyone who really followed the stories. And to see a candidate just upfront say your fake news was, I don't know, it was, it was just kind of a, re a revealing moment. Yeah. Maybe I didn't want it to come through that vehicle at the time, but there was a certain type of honesty, regardless of his, the shadiness behind some of his personal dealings that I think attracted a lot of voters. And I like that a lot. I like how aggressive he was for conservative views. I loved how pro-life he was. I loved how pro-Second Amendment he was at the time. I loved basically the fact that this guy, whether he was doing it for personal gain or not, was kind of like a juggernaut for conservative values once he got the primary vote. But I could not vote for him in 2016 because aspects of his personal character just completely turned me off. Like, I don't like the fact that you're bad-mouthing a candidate in one second, talking about how ugly his wife is, and in the next mm. second, shaking hands. You know, I don't like the fact in the current administration where you will hire this cabinet of people, all these different staff members, and put them together and say they're the best in the world, and then several months later, you know, defame them in the public, like talk bad about five-star generals or pretty much take a kind of petty counter-punching stance toward anyone who challenges you. And in 2016, I definitely didn't like that. And... It was a choice between values and intentions, and I didn't think either candidate had my interest in mind in those categories, and so I couldn't vote for anyone. But in 2020, I don't know, all the scandals that are happening with Trump and whatnot, but he's still a titan for conservatives. That economy's looking <laughs> real good before Corona. You know, them stimulus yeah, checks. Been, and then them, uh, <laughs> did that, that Obama economy, and then keywords <laughs> before COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm not much gonna different lie. world. I will say, I will say that is one of my biggest pet peeves when I talk to somebody who, on a personal level, objected to many of the things that Trump does or represents, but fall back on 
the idea that the economy was strong and use that as a reason to support the guy. And I'm like, mm. did you keep that same energy for Barack Obama? Right, right. What right. was this? It's like the economy that Trump, uh, that, that you know, for most of Trump's term uh, has been present. That's what he inherited from Obama, for better and for worse, by the way, because I don't mm. think the Obama economy was some sort of, I don't think that, an ideal economy that benefited everybody equally. I certainly don't believe that. And there are definitely many, you know, I think mil many challenges that came, uh, that came from Obama's uh, term and, you know, terms in office. Mm -hmm. But I didn't like the fact that we could have this economy that was relatively strong, especially relative to, you know, to, to many other parts of the world and then use that as a justification for one guy, but then completely dismiss it with the other person. Right. No consistency there. Right, right. Yeah, to me, um, it's pretty clear at the beginning of the Trump presidency that that initial period of time where the economy was kind of revving up and recovering from the recession from the years before, like, you know, tax cuts and all these first-in-the-door kind of policies that the administration pushed ain't going to change things that quickly. So... I think even moderate conservatives will agree that for a period of time, at least towards the beginning of the presidency, most of that economic effect should be credited to the Obama administration. I mean, it's so clear that, you know, a few months, maybe even a year or two into another president's term, the residue of their economic action, of the steps they took in the leg legislature to do certain things financially, you know, that's going to resonate sometime into the next guy's term. But... Mm -hmm. You know, if it had ended and just dove off a cliff at some point before the kind of artificial financial dip that the coronavirus has presented, if it would have in the second year just plummeted, if jobs would have just dropped through the floor, you know, homelessness on the rise, you know, layoffs left and right, then I think you would have a lot more conservatives on the bandwagon to say this guy promised things that he didn't deliver. But when you're going, it's almost like I just kept hearing extensions from CNN and major outlets. Like they would say, well, you know, three months in after that, the economy is going to tank. Unemployment's going to go through the roof and that's going to be mm. Trump's. And then when things didn't turn around 10 right. months later, they're like, well, you know, by month 12, <laughs> that's usually when his predecessor saw a huge shift in the, in the markets. And so Trump's going to own it from that point forward. But two and a half, three years later, at what point do we create a fair dividing line between the last guy's policies and the current guy's policies and say, we may not like the current guy, but we're going to have to give some amount of credit to the way things are going post Obama administration finance legislation, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I don't know if I would be waving a flag to give him credit for what happened in the first or second year, but I think it'd be pretty tough to argue whether or not that bubble is artificial in the third or fourth year before Corona, that the bubble did not exist because mm -hmm. of him. And you know, before Corona, I would have told you, hands down, if the election were held in, let's say, November of 2019, I'm almost absolutely positive Donald Trump would be serving a second term. But now, mm. I'm not so sure. Things are a little different, right, in Rona world? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, the in 2020, the world has, uh, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say falling apart. I think any other year that could be, I think any other year that might be hyperbole, but I do not believe, I do not believe most people would say that's hyperbole this year. I think we agree there. I yeah. think we agree. <laughs> yeah. Once again, objective truth, but um, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and for, I don't 
attribute everything that happens with the economy solely to the actions of the president, right? Right. I mean, in some ways, in, in some ways, you know, presidents, I think, can get a little too much credit or they can get too much blame for something that happens in the global economy. I believe that they can take certain actions and pursue certain policies that can harm things. Right. I don't think in most cases the actions of a president is going to be solely responsible for creating an, uh, an economic expansion or causing an economic recession. Definitely. Oftentimes, it's usually more than one very big thing that has to go wrong or go right for the economy to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, so many levers. That, so many levers. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so many things are going to be outside of the president's control. understand the idea of maybe yeah i understand the idea of maybe not uh you know maybe not ruling out somebody solely on the basis of what's going on with the economy at a given moment uh and really i guess that just reinforces my point is like why are we you can ignore a lot of the the troubling things about a donald trump and then fall back on this idea that the economy's good under him and completely ignore that economy for other people it's like where's the yeah you know, where to me, where's the consistency there? Where's the credibility there? I'm against that too. I mean, I, I just, I don't care where things improve under. I just want them to improve. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'll vote Republican because we share the same values. But I want, I want the best guy for the job, as best as I can do, as an independent human being that understands he has some strong biases mm-hmm. at times. Like I want to see if the economy did well in. 2014. I want to see if there was a change in the curve in 2012. Like I want the guy who did that to get the credit for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So if somebody just hated the idea of Trump running the financial future, I mean, President Obama running the financial future of this country, you know, in his first two years, whatever, right? This is the time when a lot of those policy ideas are taking root, but could you really, really, really hate them in the last two years? Probably not, right? Because it was very similar to the economic policy of the first year of Trump in a way, not the policies that he enacted, but the effect they had on the economy was, we believe at least the desired effect. So yeah, you know, it's just, it's hard because if you say that, if you say, well, you know, maybe Trump deserves more credit for later parts of his presidency and the economy, they're automatically going to say you're just a diehard, you know, Trump fanboy MAGA. And if you say, well, <laughs> you know, maybe Obama deserves credit for the turnaround in certain parts of the recession, then they're just going to say you're a diehard Obama fanboy. But I feel like regardless of how much we hate or like these guys, the truth is probably maybe somewhere in the middle on it. But I'm not an economist. You know, I'm just armchair financing right now. That's just <laughs> our armchair economisting right now. Economisting. We got to we got to yeah, that's, that. that's that's a word. <laughs> that's objectively a word. <laughs> so, um we're we're running a little bit low on time because we wanted to keep it to about an hour. We're a little bit over that. So for a final lap, you know, just so you get a better picture of who we are as we wrap up before next week, uh, 10 words, 10 different ideas. Uh, Devin will give me 10 and I will give Tevin, Devin 10. And we'll give a one word reply, the first word we think of when we think about that word. So, uh, you know, the floor is yours, sir. Okay. And how are we doing this? Are we alternating or am I just running through all 10 words? Uh, run through them, dude. Run through them. All right. Okay. So first word, and I got to do it given the news today on the vice president front, Kamala. Um, 
That's like a vomit sound. <laughs> That's onomatopoeia. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, okay. I'll, I'll put that in the transcript. Write that down. Yeah. Audible gag. Uh, okay. <laughs> Kanye. Hmm. <laughs> you gotta think for Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Kamala is just like just <laughs> Ka- Kanye though. You gotta, you gotta um, be fair to the man. Complicated. Okay. Facebook. Life. Life. Okay. <laughs> Confederacy. Did you say Confederacy? Yeah, Confederacy. Uh, losers. Okay. Got three letters for you. AOC. Bartender. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Now we're here. Okay. I like it. Aspirational. Okay. Kaepernick. Principled. Principled. Okay. Economy. Question mark. Hmm. Defund. Stupid. I'm sorry. I had to All say right. it. I had to say it. <laughs> okay. okay. This is this one I'm interested here. Three more letters. BLM. Complicated. Complicated. All right. And then the last one, I have to end it. Biden. Likeable. 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 Okay. Um... Yeah, and for anyone listening on the complicateds, we're going to get into that. We're definitely, these are all things we're going to approach. Uh, disclaimer, I do support Black Lives Matter. I do not support certain aspects of the movement. And uh, you're, you're we're trying going to break it down. Get, you're, you're trying not to get canceled right now. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I do not like about that movement whatsoever. So I'll just say that straight up. But there, mm-hmm. I think the core of what they're trying to do is something worthy of pursuit. The method, anyway. Let's not do that now, right? We could do that another time. Right. That's that's a big one. But all right. So, uh, okay, my 10. Here we go. Number one, you know I got to do it. Trump. Incompetent. <laughs> Two, Biden. Mm-hmm. Empathetic. Mm-hmm. Three, Chucky. Uh, weak sauce. <laughs> Four, guns. <laughs> Uh, right right guns. yeah yeah <laughs> you're then i guns i would say complicated right 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 <laughs> five halloween acorn candy uh, trash Six. i liked it as a kid though uh, me too me too you see, and that just shows how open-minded we are. Liked, now hate. Uh, but I think everyone is kind of, they fall along those lines, right? Like, there's a oh, serial yeah. killer somewhere who used to like Halloween acorn candy and no longer does. So, you know, low, low standard. <laughs> uh, six, Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Um, <laughs> um, Don Lemon. Um, lame. Okay. Seven, Epstein. Didn't kill him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a joke. No, yes! uh, Epstein. Epstein. Uh, awful. 
Okay. Dude, you know, I made a $1 Monopoly dollar bet with myself that if I put that name there, you were going to say didn't kill himself. And I... I am so pleased yeah, yeah. with the way that turned out. That's great. Or maybe that just that maybe that just means I, I fall for easy predictable jokes. But I'm bumping good about me. Eight Kanye. Uh, can I do two? Yeah, yeah. Troubled genius. Mm, mm, he's gonna like the second one if he ever listens to this. Yo, man, let's get it out to him. Tweet it out to him. <laughs> get a free pair of uh, Yeezys afterwards. Yeah, man. Might even make a, a donation to Kanye if he... Mm, preach. Uh, nine, Borders. Border. Yeah, Borders. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's such a big uh Right. You chose some ex- and you chose some excellent words. You chose you some did very, too, man. I was thinking like very... oh man. <laughs> yeah, I was not I was not expecting borders. I'll say um I don't want to fall back on complicated, so I'll say um, troubling. Okay. And finally, number ten, November two thousand twenty. Yeah, I'm going to do my throwback to 2008. Hope. <laughs> H to the O to the P to the E. Yes. Hope Hope, hope is what I'm feeling right now. Uh, the other word would be apprehension if there was a number two. But number one, I'm going to say is hope right now. That's where the subtitles on the show end, right? It's just like hope. And then like the apprehensions like grayed out a little bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the credits start. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that's that's a wrap for this episode of The Donkey and the Rhino. Uh, any parting words, Devin, for our loyal fan base of my mom and your cousin? Uh, wow, you didn't even include my wife in it. <laughs> and your wife. <laughs> uh, Thank you. <laughs> she's like, she's like, no, you're trash. Um, trash. But. <laughs> um, no, I, I'd say I had a great time. Thank you to everyone who decides to listen to this. Uh, and I look forward to doing more shows with you, Lee. Likewise, thank you, Devin. You're the man, as always. And thank you to everybody listening to our first shot at this. Uh, next week, we're always going to try and free flow with the ideas and issues that come up during the week and some of the bigger thematic issues that have been playing out over the year. But a lot of stuff happened this week with Kamala Harris. A lot of news with vaccine relief, possibly from Russia, a couple of competing American firms, and a lot of things happening all over the country in Portland, Chicago, New York, Black Lives Matter, the fight for justice, the legacy of George Floyd. These are big ideas we're going to be dissecting at some point in the near future. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening and peace out. Thank you.